I like, uh, if you go to Fong Chan's place, you look at her fridge, or is it her fridge or something on the, say, any mothers have breakfast in bed? You say, if you want breakfast in bed, then sleep in the kitchen. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> well, this morning uh, at the first service, I preached at the first service, but a different sermon because of mission focus. And uh, Les was the one that is leading the service. And she stood up and said she wanted to pay tribute to three mothers in his life. And that was beautiful. And I thought I should do that as well. The first one is your own mother. And uh, although I have my mother only for a short while, about nine years, but as I look back, she uh, probably I learned what it means to sacrifice. Uh, looking after six kids by herself. And then the second mother is your mother-in-law. Have you ever tried to honor your mother-in-law? A lot of people can honor your own mother, but do you actually try to honor your mother-in-law? And uh, my mother-in-law, I only again crossed their path maybe, don't know, maybe 15 years, and she raised 10 kids, and she's a very powerful woman, very, very, very strong woman, raised 10 kids, and all of them overseas except maybe one or two and very versatile and very resourceful and I learned a lot from her as well. And the third mother is probably the, your wife. I learned from my wife uh, the great capacity to love and to forgive. And I think maybe we should take time uh, to think about honoring those mothers in your life. Well, mothers are, are great. Uh, mothers are teachers. Mothers are disciplinarians. Mothers are cleaning ladies. Uh, some mothers are gardeners and mowers of lawns. I'm not too sure about our Asian community. Uh, any mothers here mow the lawn? Yes? Few. Very good. Praise the Lord. Not my wife. Uh, and most mother knows that baking cookies is more important than washing windows too. Uh, mothers are nurses, they are doctors, they are psychologists, they are counselors, they are chauffeurs, they are coaches. Mothers are developers of personalities, molders of vocabularies, and shapers of attitudes. Uh, mothers are soft voices saying, I love you. And mothers are the link to God, a child's first impression of God's love. And it has been said that by the time a child reaches 18 years old, a mother has had to handle some extra 18,000 hours of child-generated work. In fact, women who never have children enjoy the equivalent of an extra three months a year in leisure time. I don't know how true. Uh, um. There are also great portraits of motherhood in the Bible. I love the picture of the mother of Moses who cared for so much for her son that she broke the law in order to teach him the faith of his people. We see the sacrificial love of the mother who appeared before King Solomon, remember? And told him that she was willing to have her son taken away by another woman rather than to see any harm come to him. Or the mother of James and John who loved her boy so much that she wanted them to sit by the Lord's side in the heavenly Kingdom, a little bit kiasu, uh, but uh, and the mother of King Lemuel in 
who gave some advice to a son about godly living and how to pick a good wife in Proverbs 31. And uh, there are many beautiful things. Honor to, in some extent, uh, is a lost word. It's a lost word. But clearly in this culture, we honor all kinds of people. We honor sports stars. We honor celebrity. We honor many, many things. Uh, but we don't particularly honor those who have authority over us. Politicians are a joke to all of us. Uh, even mothers, fathers. And when you see someone receive honor, what do you see? When you see someone receive a award, whether, whatever award, then maybe, what do you see in them? You see joy, you see tears, you see they're being appreciated. There's a lot of good things that come from honor. And the word honor, uh, according to Webster Dictionary, is high public esteem, fame, glory, to earn a position of honor. But when God commands us to honor our parents, uh, He provides some additional meaning. Because in the original Hebrew word, the word honor meant heavy or weight. In literal meaning, it was to lay it on them, put some weight on it. And today we use this phrase by lay it on them. We typically mean flattery, but not so here. To honor someone meant I weigh you down with respect and prestige. I place upon you great worth and value. I place it upon you. I put some weight on what I'm going to say to you. And that is the meaning of honor in the biblical language. I know I'm going to preach this sermon. Uh, what I want to give to is I want to give you three points on why we should honor uh, our parents. Uh, why should we should honor people in general? Uh, but in particular today, because it's Mother's Day, I tie it into why we should we honor our parents. I know some of us, we are of age whereby we are already our parents are dead and gone and all that. But still, it is biblical teaching. We need to learn too. And then I want to give you about six simple ways, nothing profound, some very simple ways how we actually can honor our parents or our mother or in anyone in your life. So just some practical points which you can apply to anyone, not just only to our parents. So why we should honor? First and foremost, uh, because it is God's command. Simple as that. God in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, even though it's strictly at that time, because Jewish founded a nation before they entered the Promised Land, God gave them very strict law to govern them in the land. And uh, it's God's command in the fifth command. If you know the Ten Commandments, on the fifth command, it says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Because they are about to possess, enter into the promised land. And one of the laws is that when you honor your parents, you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. But interestingly, let me say this to you. Very interestingly, if you know the Ten Commandments, which I hope you do, it kind of, you know, when Moses came down, it held two tablets, right? Probably five and five. But if you study the Ten Commandments, 
the first pillar of the law is referring more towards God, direct relationship to God. And then the last five is relationship with people. So relationship with God, the first five, and relationship with people, the last five. And if you know the Ten Commandments, the first five is relationship with God. And let me just read to you some of, uh, so that you can get a, a real picture where, from what I'm getting at. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. You shall not misuse the name of God. And remember the Sabbath day. All this relate. But interestingly, if you take two tablets, one set is to relate to God, and the other set is to relate to mankind. But the fifth law, honor your father and mother, it relates to relationship with God. It is almost like, although it can mean also relationship with mankind, human being, but God placed it there to mean that when you honor your father and your mother, you are actually honoring God. It comes under that pillars of relationship with God under the Ten Commandments. It's equivalent in that sense that when you honor your father and mother, you are actually showing your honor to God. That level of equivalent. So first and foremost, why we should honor, it is because it is God's command. And to me, I've come uh, 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 as a Christian, I find that when we, that alone is sufficient. I used to eat lit Bible study among young people. I remember back in old church days, twilight days, some of us are here. I remember having Bible study and this girl in her early 20s in university and she said, well, I just don't like the idea that I should follow what God said just because the Bible says so. Well, in my heart I say, well, then you don't really know what it means to be a believer. When you, when you are a believer, you come under the submission of God's authority in the sense. And when you follow it, I'm going to give you another two points why it's so important. Secondly, not just only is God's command, the second reason why we should honor our parents is because it is the foundation of life. Foundation. Foundation of life. This is the duty of every child and it sets the pattern for how that child will relate to every other authority structure for life. If a child cannot know how to honor parents, don't know how to submit their authority to the parents, they will not submit authority to any other authority subsequently. Children, obey your parents for this is right. Children do not come out of the womb honoring our parents. Rather, Scripture teaches that we are born in sin and in our sin, we will be automatic rebels against our parents. Nature, literally, rebel. But parents are given by God to children to serve as almost like a lieutenant. You know? And honoring father and mother is the foundation that prepares little hearts to learn how to honor God. St. Augustine uh, used to say that if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? If anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? So in the home, children are under the authority of their parents. And so when children are very young, I always tell uh, new parents, I say the first few years of their life, 
the number one thing you have to inbuilt and build it into your kid's life, whether son or daughter, is authority and boundary. That is the general main focus. However details you want to carry out for the first few years of their life is authority and boundary. Must build it into their life. You want to do it 15 years later? I tell you it's too late. Far too late. It has to start when they are very, very young. So in the home, children are under the authority of their parents and children are to honor that God-ordained authority. But the truth is that we live under some kind of authority all the days of our lives anyway. You don't come under the authority of parents, school will have if you join the army, you'll be under authority. Everywhere you go, it will be, you can't run away. You cannot escape authority in your lives. And the truth is that although authority is often abused, God has ordained that we live under it for our own good. It is not very popular in Australian culture in particular. Because this is no other country in this world is as egalitarian as Australia. I always tell people that uh, as human beings, we are equal. That's what I believe. But ideas are not equal. Ideas are never equal. There is such a thing called lousy ideas. So not all views are equal. Human beings, we are all equal. But views are never equal. Never equal. But unfortunately, our society has tipped it around. All views are equal, but human beings, we are not equal. And that cannot be. Views are not equal. Views are never equal. But human beings, we are always equal. So there is a great lesson to be learned from the fifth commandment. When a child learns to submit to parents' authority, the foundation is laid for a good life of living under authority as a citizen, as an employee, as a church member, as a whatever situation that you are in, you become, know how to work together with the authority. And of course, you rebel only when the authority, they abuse it. Then it has crossed the line. Whether you're obeying God or you obey the authority that's placed upon you, but when you cross the line, then you must always obey God. Just like in the situation of Daniel, in the story of Daniel. Never submit to the king, but submit to a higher authority, and that is God. But under normal circumstances where the line is not crossed, we should always uh, come under the authority that is placed upon us. Even, may I say, even the government. I always believe that we may not re respect the person there, but you must always respect the office that is in place by God. And so, why we should honor is because, first and foremost, it's God's command. Second reason is because it's a foundation to life. We cannot escape from authority. And when we learn how to submit to authority, we then actually begin to live properly. Third reason why we must submit to authority because it is freedom of life. Contrary to people thinking is that when you submit to authority, it's almost like your freedom is being curbed. You cannot actually do what you want to do. But as I said before, Chesterton used to say that true freedom is not doing what you want. True freedom is actually doing what you ought. Because our, can you imagine you do all that you want to do? It will be chaotic. And there's some sort of restraint on us. Uh, is freedom to life because 
when there's a bit of restraint, you tend to do what you ought to do. And what you ought to do tend to bring freedom more than you do what you want to do, in a sense. Because our heart always lean towards sinning. And so when we submit ourselves to authority and honor, it is actually freedom to life. This is what Ephesians 6 says. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, let me just say that those who honor parents, father and mother, is not to say that you live to the ripe old age like Mahathir, 92 years old, something like that. Uh, we are not saying that or you don't honor uh, parents means you'll die at the short age of Jesus at 33. Uh, we are not, uh, that's not the, the implication it is to say that you live your life well, even no matter how long or short. I always believe that uh, it's not how long you live, it's how well you live. You can live a short life, but if you live your life full and you accomplish what you're called to do, that is sufficient. You can live as long life like Pablo Picasso, for example, into his 90s, but he lived a miserable life. You should read about his life story. And before he paints someone, he would rape that person first. And all oh, when he died, he would create havoc uh, and all kinds of uh, shipwreck into his wife and his mistresses. So many of them committed suicide and all messiness that comes. So it's not implying that. It's that when you honor your parents, you live full life. You enjoy full life. You enjoy what was it's meant to be. And so, that is the, the three reasons why we should honor. Uh, because it's God's command. It's a foundation of life. You can't run away from authority. You might as well join in and learn from it. And thirdly, it brings freedom. It brings joy into your life when you cooperate with those who are in authority. Work with them. Because one day when you are in authority... When you are in a position of authority, you will know how difficult it is. So many children, when they are young, they rebel. When they become parents themselves, they're beginning to understand how difficult it is to be your parents. So let me just, in the time that I have, give you some very simple ways that you can display honor to your parents or to, I use it as a way because of today's Mother's Day, but it can be anyone who is in authority over you, uh, for that matter uh, simple six practical ways not very profound you could come up with more as well the first one is how can you honor your parents six practical ways that we can display honor number one forgive them forgive them you know when we are young you know when we have not been through life we can be very very idealistic in life but when you begin to grow older, your emotions are more exposed. You struggle with more things in life. There are many, many, many hidden challenges in life that you cannot anticipate. How many of you acknowledge that? There are too many challenges in life that you cannot anticipate, no matter how much you try to anticipate. Many hidden challenges that you cannot prepare for. And sometimes you do wrong. Sometimes you make mistakes. And I can say that most parents here, most mothers here, you wish you can restart again. Yes? But you can't. 
you can't. And sometimes you make wrong decisions. And then be, because you make wrong decisions, it affects certain things. And so children can blame parents. And so the first thing that you can honor is to forgive you. Because why life is a boomerang, my, my friend. You may be eating the same humble pie in the future. You may repeat the same mistake as well. Because life sometimes can be very cruel. Very cruel. I used to have a friend. He, he went to America to study. One of those early batches to study MBA you know, in the late 70s. It was still very new. And when you study MBA, you came back with, you know, whenever, whenever you study, you kind of all this theory that you want to implement and you start to criticize everybody, everything that's gone wrong in every business organization uh, because your ideas are fresh and they've never been tested. That's why they say the first year Bible college students, they make the worst church members because the world of knowledge has been exposed to them and, and they criticize every single little thing. Little knowledge is like that. And so when he came back from America, he started to criticize his parents because his father had two wives from China and then they leave the country, came to Singapore to work, remarried again, and all kinds of things. And he became very angry and criticized the father with this management theory and idealistic way of... And 30 years later, he went through divorce himself and suddenly it dawned upon him that sometimes life can, can be tough and all these things flood into his mind again that he has done all this kind of wrong thing that's criticizing the father and all that he wished that he could tap some be a bit more kinder or M. Scott Peck if you know M. Scott Peck was a psychiatrist he wrote a book called uh, the road less traveled. He was a Zen Buddhist before he was a Christian, and then subsequently he wrote a book. He became a Christian, and at some point, he, I wrote, a, I read about him. He said, "Well, you know what? I, I regret I didn't spend more time. I was quite harsh with my aged old parents when they were old. Now that I'm old, uh, I realize for the moment I, I can feel. I'm almost an emotion of what my father had to go through because now I'm in debt." Situation and I can identify better. And so life is like that. And so the very first thing that we need to do in honor, uh, if you are, is you have to forgive them. Don't blame them. Sometimes they make decisions based on at that moment, that's the best thing forward. Every politician, even the Lee Kuan Yew will say that, I make some mistake because at that time, two is enough. Then he regretted. Or Mahathir locking this man up in the prison and now become... You know, pardon, become prime minister. Uh, and, and I watched from YouTube. He said, well, at that time, you make certain decisions. You think that's the best. But on high, who doesn't want hindsight? Everybody wants it. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once said, without memory, there can be no healing. But without forgiveness, there can be no future. And so the first thing that we honor our parents, or for that matter, anyone in authority over us, is to forgive them. You have to forgive them that's the first thing is showing them that you honor them. Second thing that you can honor is you must speak well of them. You know, sometimes as a pastor, when I try to counsel people, people often say to me, Pastor, you don't know my mother. You know, you don't know her. You don't know my father. I say, of course I don't know. How do I know them? 
But we always, every, you talk to everyone, everyone will say the same thing. But the Bible didn't give you that kind of uh, a footnote, the exceptional clause. Oh, you have a difficult mother and therefore you don't. You know? There's no footnote to it. So incredibly difficult to counsel because they always say this kind of thing. You don't know my wife. You, know? you don't know my husband. You don't know my children. You know? I say, oh, I say, oh, I say, Why you come to me anyway? <laughs> so I think another way we can honor our parents is to speak well of them. To refuse to speak evil of them. You know, we live in a time when it is considered noble almost to air our grievances. I can't stand all this uh, sports star or Andre Agassi or, or Michael Jackson. You know, they are riding on their parents' discipline when they were young and therefore they are who they are today and when they are famous now and they rubbish their parents hey, but you are riding on their discipline of you therefore you are where you are today speak well of them yes of course they have done wrong it is almost considered therapeutic to air our dirty laundry we think little of telling the world exactly what we think of our bosses of our father of our parents and yet the bible warns us that we owe honor and respect to all of the authorities god has placed over us he warns us that our words have the power to extend honor or dishonor christians speak well of your parents and refuse to speak evil of them we need to speak well of our parents we need to speak well of them while they are alive and speak well of them after they have died. To speak well of them to people. Speak well of your parents and refuse to speak evil of them. William Shakespeare used to say that how sharper than a serpent's tooth it is to have a thankless child. A teacher asked a boy this question. Suppose your mother baked a pie and there were seven of you your parents and five children, what part of the pie would you get? And the boy said, well, a six. Well, the teacher said, I'm afraid you don't know your frac fractions. Remember, there are seven of you. And the boy said, well, yes, teacher, but you don't know my mother. Mother would say she didn't want any pie. Speak well of them. Think well of them. Yes, they have made mistakes. Speak well of them. That's the way to esteem them, to honor them. Uh, and that leads me to my third point. Uh, esteem them, in pri them privately and publicly. Esteem them publicly and privately. I think that is the third way to honor them. I believe that every parent, to a large extent, wants to see them in their children in some sense. I, I thought it's powerful when, uh, when children say to mother or father, oh, that my baking skill I learned from you. All my ways of learning how to save and all that, that I learned it from you. I think that's a very powerful way of esteeming them. 
that you have passed something value to me. And you'll be amazed, you'll be amazed that a lot of who you are actually are under their influence. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. If we only take time to give them enough credit that they have influenced you in many, many ways. Kind words can be short and easy, but their echoes are truly endless. Kind words can be short and easy, but their echoes are truly endless. Esteem them privately, and sometimes if you have a chance, encourage them publicly. Maybe certain birthday, 70th birthday, give a speech. When I conduct wedding, uh, counseling for couple, and I always tell them this thing. I say, when you give your speech on that night of your wedding, give a large portion of your time thanking your parents. Set aside certain time. Give a good public affirmation to your parents. I've seen it many times. And you know what will happen to the parents? Tears. Tears will roll down. Tears will roll down. So there's power in esteeming people privately and publicly. And may I even say, uh, esteem your mother-in-law as well. Mother-in-law is very important. Don't make it difficult for your son. I always tell people, don't make it difficult for your son. Don't make it difficult for your, I mean, for your wife, uh, for your husband. In this don't make it then sandwiched between two women in their life mother and your wife. Men, very, very difficult. <laughs> Sometimes they are sandwiched between. You know? Both sides are demanding them. I read that this uh, poem said to my other mother, meaning mother-in-law, you are the other mother I received the day I wed your son. And I want to thank you, mom, for the loving things you've done. You've given me a gracious man with whom I share my life. You are his lovely mother and I his lucky wife. You used to pet his little head and now I hold his hand. You raised in love a little boy and then gave me the land. Remember, honor your mother-in-law. Honor them. Uh, publicly, privately, uh, it do well. I know if only people are a bit more kinder, you generate good atmosphere in a household. And sometimes it just needs someone to kickstart because of ego, because of pride you know, we don't want to lay down but when you make the move miracles happen miracles do happen when you do dare to obey God and do the right thing and then maybe I'm hearing some people saying, but you don't know my mother-in-law <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll leave it to you to, 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 to decide on that the fourth uh, thing I think we can uh, as, uh, we can honor our uh, practical ways seek their wisdom. You know, twice in Proverbs Solomon instructs us not to forsake our mother's teaching. Proverbs one says, "Do not forsake your mother's teaching." Proverbs fifteen says, "A foolish man despises his mother." Who would despise mother? Mother's love. 
mother will do anything for you. Are mothers always right? No, of course not. But I'm sure at least they usually have your best interest in mind. Yeah? Are they advice? Old-fashioned or whatever? Yeah, you can take it that way. But they always have your best interest in mind. Can you say that about the advice that you get from your investment broker? Your best interest in mind? Do you honestly believe he's primarily interested in your welfare? Maybe it's his, his commission, maybe. Your boss may give you advice at work probably to make you more productive for the company. But a mother gives her input because she loves you and does have your best interest in mind. And we should at least take her motivation into consideration and listen. We would probably save ourselves a lot of heartaches and headaches if we paid closer attention to what she has to say. We at least owe her the respect of just listening. Job 12 says, Is not wisdom found among the age? Does not long life bring understanding? Some things you cannot learn from book. Some things you cannot go to library and learn. You can, that only can produce head knowledge. But life experience is what speaks volumes. And Proverbs 20 said, The glory of a young man is their strength, but gray hair, the splendor of the old. We have. So old people, elderly people, don't allow the young ones to look down on you. Never. Hold yourself high. They may speak better than you. They may speak fluent than you from Malaysia or Singapore way of talking. Don't let them look down on you. Stand tall. You are infinitely no more than them. Can I say amen? amen? Amen to that, okay? While Timothy said, don't let anybody despise your youth, I think we also need to remind ourselves, don't let the young one despise you when you are old. You have lived through life. And that is very valuable. As you age, you accumulate wisdom that you can't learn from book. You have to live through it. And so don't let them look down on you. They may be better at your iPhone and technology and they think that you are at, you know, obsolete already. Kind of don't let them look down on you. All right? This interesting thing says, four, when you're four years of age, uh, the child says, my mommy can do anything. When they're eight years of age, my mom knows a whole lot. But when they are 12 years old, my mother doesn't really know quite everything. And when they're 14 years of age, you know, wow, naturally, mother doesn't know that either. And when they're 16 years old, mother, she's hopelessly old-fashioned. And when they're 18 years of age, that old woman, she's way out of date. When they're 25, oh, well, she might know a little bit about it. When they're 35, before we decide, let, let's get mom's opinion. And when they are 45, I wonder what mom would have thought about it. And when they are 65, they say, I wish I could talk it over with mom. You see the change? You see the change? Because your feeling now engaged with real life. Your emotion is involved now. And when your emotions are involved in the real life, your real belief comes up. Otherwise, beyond that, are just clinical and theory. So seek their wisdom. 
they have more to offer you than you know. Fifth things that you can't uh, honor them is to support them. Is to support them. Not necessarily financially. Probably you are the parents are the one that's supporting our, our Asian culture. You always provide for children. Sometimes spoil them until beyond comprehension. You know? Uh, I know of a uh, couple married last time. The father bought a $700,000 house for them as a wedding gift. Um, I'm not too sure. Well, that is, uh, you can't judge. You just have to leave it as it is. But, but it support them does not necessarily mean financial side alone. Uh, in John 19, do you know when Jesus was on the cross, there were only three people stood under the cross with him. All the disciples scattered, all the people who say Hosanna, Hosanna on the Palm Sunday, all deserted him. Only three were at the foot of the cross. His mother, Mary, another Mary, and then the third one is John, the Apostle John. And on the cross, Jesus said this. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, which is referring to John, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple John, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. John helped to look after Mary because Jesus wanted to entrust his mother into the care of someone else. Uh, Jesus cared for his own earthly mother even while he was on the cross. We can also honor our parents by supporting them. We can honor them because as we age, as we grow old, a lot of things we cannot do anymore. We become broken sometimes. And in some sense, you can feel useless because those things that you can do now, you can't do. Uh, and therefore, men, when they get, go through retirement, sometimes they lapse into depression because they have been always riding high, doing this, and suddenly they feel that they can no longer do a lot of things. I think of David, King David, at a particular low point in his life, he was weighed down by cares and attacked by enemies. And in this context, he cried out to God in Psalm 71. This is what he said. He said, Lord, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. David almost feared the combination of age and isolation, of being old and alone. So too are our elderly parents. When we grow we are less sociable sometimes more pain here pain there you know here pain there pain here ache there ache uh, one church pastor told me that in their church they have a cell group known as a spare part groups <laughs> everybody is here pain here pain, pain the only part that is not pain is the hair every other part is pain when we grow old it's like that and so the, the sense of abandonment sometimes is greater. And so we, at this point of our, of our lives, we need to learn to support our parents, even emotionally, words of assurance. 
and all this kind of and parents especially Asian parents we don't want to burden children and that is why the whole concept of euthanasia of killing yourself is there because they don't want to burden to another person people always think of life as utilitarian you know if I no longer is useful therefore chuck it away we live in a disposable generation anyway you don't need anyone to throw it away but we should view life as a sanctity of life, not just only utilitarian mentality. And that is why the proponent of people who are against euthanasia is always that, because life is a gift from God. It is not measured by whether you're useful or not. It is not. And you have to respect that. Even if you see Pope John Paul, those are so old, you still as a Pope, you know, still functioning on, simply because of that. And the last one that I think we can practically uh, honour our parents is to provide for them. Provide for them. And here, uh, yes, as I said before, most of us, you know, I think most of the Asian culture, we provide for our children more than the other way around. But nevertheless, uh, it is still biblically, it is to say that as children, we need to provide for our parents. Look at what 1 Timothy says. Do not rebuke an older man harshly but exalt him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. How beautiful. One young man used to attend our church. He said, I love to attend Asian church. You know why? Because I don't have to remember our people's names. Just call them auntie, uncles. You know, we don't have to remember their names. You know? Everybody's my aunties and uncles, you know. Uh, it's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, treat your, your older woman as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute priority. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. Now look at verse 4 now. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. So supporting parents, providing for parents is pleasing to the Lord and you are supposed to do that. And verse 8 even went on to say, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, you know what? Has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So you don't provide for your family, for especially your parents, in all ways, you are worse off than an unbeliever. And so the raising of children requires tremendous sacrifice, and it is only right that children make sacrifices for parents in return. And interestingly, if you look at Mark chapter 7, uh, I'm going to close soon, Mark, I can't let go of this because Mark chapter 7, uh, Jesus was having a sparring kind of thing with the Pharisee. Pharisees tend to esteem tradition over the Word of God. And so Jesus said, no, the Word of God must take precedence over tradition. And indeed, he gave one example. This is what he said. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own tradition. He said. For Moses said, I'll give you one example. For example, in the law of Moses, he said, honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, that is what the law says. But you have a tradition that almost like, takes precedence over what the law says. He said, but you say that if anyone declares 
that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban. I'll explain. And that is devoted to God. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Because the word korban simply means given or dedicated. So if you have this money, that you can actually use this money to support your parents, but you use this word and say, oh, korban. Korban means to say, I set aside this money actually for God. To give to the temple for a building project or something like that, I then can forego my responsibility in looking after my parents. You see, you're almost like this loophole, this tradition that you have, you use it to justify you for not having to look after your parents, even though they can withheld the money from giving away, but just by uttering the word koban, it excuses you from doing that. And then he said, Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Uh, Jesus is saying, I'm just using this as an example. So, so, so provide for them, support them, provide for them financially is also part of the requirement for us as believers. So here you go. I'm coming to the end now. And we're going to have a wonderful and enjoyable lunch together. Uh, why we should honor because it's God's command, because it's the foundation to lie, because it brings freedom. And how we can honor our parents, the various way that I give to you, or anyone that is in honor. I want to share and close with this story. I have shared this story before, a number of years ago, but I think it's worthwhile bringing this up again, because every time I read this story, it moves my heart, because it's written so well. This person said, a few years ago, uh, my mother came to visit me. She asked me to go shopping with her because she needed a new dress. I don't normally like to go shopping with other people and I'm not a patient person. But we set off for the shopping together nonetheless. We visited nearly every store that carried ladies' dresses. And my mother tried on dress after dress, rejecting them all. As the day wore on, I grew weary and my mother grew frustrated. Finally, at our last stop, my mother tried on a lovely blue three-piece dress. The blouse had a bow at the neckline. And as I stood in the dressing room with her, I watched as she tried with much difficulty to tie the bow. Her hands were so badly crippled from arthritis that she couldn't do it. Immediately, my impatience gave way to an overwhelming wave of compassion for her. I turned away to try and hide the tears that well up involuntarily. And regaining my composure, I turned back to tie the bow for her. The dress was beautiful, and she bought it. Our shopping trip was over, but the event was etched indelibly in my memory. For the rest of the day, my mind kept returning to that moment in the dressing room and to the vision of my mother's hand 
trying to tie that bow. Those loving hands that have fed me, that have bathed me, dressed me, caressed and comforted me, and most of all, prayed for me, were now touching me in a most remarkable manner. Later in the evening, I went to my mother's room. I took her hands in mine. I kissed them. And much to her surprise, I told her that to me, they were the most beautiful hands in the world. And this is her conclusion. I'm so grateful that God let me see with new eyes what a precious, priceless gift a loving, self-sacrificing mother is. And I can only pray that someday my hands and my heart will have earned such a beauty of their own. This world, or this poem said, this world has many wonders, God's many vista grand, but none can ever rival the beauty of mother's hands. So may you go and honor your mother or your parents uh, with new eyes and find ways to honor them and esteem them as you would like your children to do to them to you in the future Father we thank you for mothers uh, as a mother gives life and nourishment to her children Lord you watch over your church bless these women of ours here uh, that they may be strengthened as Christian mothers let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Lord, in our own ways, may we learn to esteem and build honor into our lives, whether it is to authorities, whether it is to our boss, our uh, leadership in the church, our parents. May we find ways to honor people. Because when we honor people, we bring a whole new dynamic to the environment that can change the culture change rather than complaining, whinging that set us emotionally that we bring a culture of honor into our lives that bring forth joy in our hearts. Thank you Lord for all our mothers. May you bless them today for all their sacrifices and their love that they have bestowed not only to their family but to society at large. Thank you Lord. As we close with this song we are remembered of your love for us. You love us. You love us. It's only when we experience your love for us, uh, we then can have the power to love those whom you entrusted to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We bless you. We worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as you sing this beautiful uh, old Sunday school song but profound words. Jesus loves me, this I know For the Bible tells me so Little ones to Him belong They Yes, Jesus loves me.
Jesus Christ is unconditional, unfailing, extravagant, beyond comprehension type of love of God. And the amazing fellowship, empowering presence of the sweet Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> 